couple of months and so I suppose it was through that process that he's invited me to come and speak um, it was it was good to pray uh, earlier for the Ukraine it was good to hear that you've got prayers going on for that this week um, one of the differences between the Christian and others is when we see situations like that we do have somewhere to go and we must make sure we go to that place and that we uh, provide uh, such as we can, uh, I suppose, help to those around us. It, well, I, was, I was amazed at that stat that 70% of Ukrainians count themselves as Christian. That's a, a, a wonderful thing. Uh, as Neil said, my name's Owen. I'm married to Pauline. Uh, Pauline and I have been married for 31 years. And, uh, yeah, we're still married. And, actually, we're still... Um, uh, yeah, not only are we still married, actually, we're, we're happily married. Yeah, we're happily married. Um, we've got three girls... Um, our first, our eldest is getting married in April, uh, which is, so I'm going to be father of the bride, and that's a thing I've decided. I'm trying to work out how I do that thing, um, but I'm going to be that in, in April. And our, she's living in Blackpool, and our other two daughters are with us in, where we live in Norbury. I lead a church in Brixton called uh, Beacon. I've actually been part of New Frontiers for decades. I, I went to the Downs Bible Week, I went to Stoney Bible Week, uh, and even though I naturally don't like camping, I've camped for much of my life and I've been involved in New Day, although at New Day, because of my role, I've, I've allowed myself not to camp, so I, I'm either in a caravan or I'm somewhere else, so I don't actually camp at New Day. What I want to talk to you about today is, as it says up there, creating a culture of grace. We are part of a grace movement. If you've grown up within this kind of New Frontiers movement, or even if you haven't, you'd have entered a church which, at its very foundation, will have an understanding of grace. And in some ways, I want to revisit that today, um, not quite relay it, but look at it again, because I think in the modern day, um, we do need to look at grace again, partly because we need to remind ourselves of where we stand in terms of grace and the grace of God that we stand in. But also, we need to learn to extend grace to other people. We need to learn to show grace to others who don't yet know it. And we live in a world and at a time, somebody talked about us living in a secular culture where people are desperate for grace. Grace is something that people really long for. And what I mean by that is people are looking for fundamental acceptance. Will you accept me for me? Or will you accept me in some other way? And we're looking for that in our world today. It's fundamental. So we're going to uh, look at that. We're going to look at a few scriptures. But I want to start re- with this scripture, very well known in Ephesians where it says this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Father, I ask that you would join with us as we speak in these moments. I thank you for the sense of your presence already here. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to every heart today. That you will strengthen what needs to be strengthened. You will correct what needs to be corrected. You'll encourage what needs to be encouraged. You will rebuke what needs to be rebuked. That you will do your work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is, as I said, a massive need for grace. Everyone needs to find a way to grace. No matter how inadequate or false it might be, we're all looking for a way of finding grace. That need for unconditional acceptance, it's deep within the human psyche. It's deep within the the human heart that we would be accepted. And we all want to live like that. Now the truth is we can only really find that level of grace in God, but we do look for it in other places. We do look for grace in different places. And you could call this your grace mask, the thing that you wear that helps you get accepted. I might realise that when I present a certain side of me, you know, let's just say, this isn't actually true of me, but let's just say I was a bit of a comedian and I was always telling jokes, and what I found is when I told jokes, people always laughed, and people get, oh, you know, you're really funny, I love it when you tell jokes. I might lean into that a little bit more because I got affirmation there. I get affirmation when people laugh at me, so do you know what, I'm going to make you laugh at me. If I thought I got affirmation there. The danger is I might not actually be that funny and away from that moment I might not be funny at all. I might actually be quite depressed. But if I thought I was going to get affirmation and acceptance in a particular way, I might lean there. It's natural, it's human, we all do it. We lean into where we think we're going to be affirmed. We lean into where we think we're going to be accepted. We lean where we think people are going to like us. But the truth is we're not all like that. So why do we do it? We do it because of the fundamental need for acceptance. We want to be accepted. It's deep. However great we can appear, however strong, however much money you have, however bright you are, you need to be accepted. And sometimes you'll give up some of those things in order to find a place where you are accepted. We need to be it. We need acceptance. It's deep for us. And sometimes we miss. You see, when grace is truly lacking, there's a number of things that emerge in our lives. When we don't have grace, when we haven't received grace, when we don't have that fundamental sense of acceptance, we can become prideful. We can, we can begin to accept ourselves. If no one else is going to accept me, I will accept me. If no one else is going to love me, I will love me. We can become prideful, we can become boastful, we can become performance related. If I do well at these things, I'll be more accepted. You often hear, even when you, you listen to uh, you know, great sports stars or, or musicians, and they, they often talk about the need for acceptance, maybe for their parents. They're looking for someone who will accept them as they are. It's a deep thing. When grace is lacking, we can become legalistic. 
because we think that's the way to get ourselves ready and I suppose get ourselves approval before God we can become legalistic we can become very religious we can do things oh I must do this if I do this if I do this then I will be accepted sometimes we don't even realise that we go that way we become conditional in our relationships judgmental in our attitudes why? why are we like that? humanity was created with a need for grace it was created we were created with a need for grace and acceptance and God is a God of grace and acceptance he has given us that but actually because of sin the skewed nature of our relationship with God means that we don't naturally receive the grace that is available to us if you think about even the story of Adam Adam had everything God provided everything to Adam and when Adam sins what does he do he doesn't go to God and say I'm sorry he hides he hides for the Christian grace is more than acceptance it's also a recognition of our need for salvation now in the Bible there is what I would call a surprising story of grace and it's the story of Isaac Isaac back in the Old Testament somebody referred earlier to Abraham Isaac was Abraham's son and this is what it says in Genesis 17 about Isaac it says your wife Sarah will bear you a son this is what God says to Abraham and you will call him Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him remember I've talked about grace being this idea of unconditional acceptance this is what happened to Isaac this is Isaac's life Isaac was born the son of a promise he didn't do anything he, he wasn't, it wasn't that he was particularly uh, a wonderful personality he was born the son of a promise God said I'm going to make a covenant with Isaac Isaac's salvation, if you remember the story, we, we have that situation where Isaac is being taken to be sacrificed and actually in the moment of sacrifice God provides a ram in a thicket that becomes the sacrifice that then frees Isaac. Isaac doesn't even really know what's going on but he is being redeemed in that moment. Isaac receives redemption. Isaac is comforted after his mother dies and he is provided with a wife. Isaac doesn't have to do anything it's not like the modern day where you have to you're looking for somebody maybe you want to marry Isaac is sitting at home grieving and somebody brings him a wife wouldn't that be wonderful I mean, if, you're, if you're already married no but if you're not married wouldn't it be wonderful if one day somebody just brought you like a partner and they were exactly what you wanted let's not go there so Isaac is comforted he's, he's provided with a wife it, it says Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac after Abraham's death God blesses Isaac God answers Isaac's prayer when Isaac prays that his wife would have children God answers the prayer and he gives him Esau and Jacob God appears to Isaac he affirms the covenant that he made with Abraham he affirms it to Isaac Isaac blesses his son Jacob and then it says Isaac died full and uh, he dies old and full of years you see Isaac throughout his life received unmerited 
undeserved, unearned favour and blessing from God. He did nothing to deserve it. He did nothing to add to it. He did nothing. There was nothing about the way he operated. If you had met him, you wouldn't say to yourself, oh, okay, I wonder whether God blessed Isaac because, you know, Isaac always prayed. Or because Isaac always, you know, sacrificed or whatever he did. None of that. God blesses Isaac almost regardless. And he blesses him because he was blessing Abraham. Isaac is the recipient of blessing because of the blessing upon his father. That's that is grace. Isaac receives grace. We read about Sarah who has a promise of grace. This is what it says in Galatians about Sarah, Isaac's mother. We are all sons and daughters of the promise made to Sarah, who was the free woman, the Bible tells us. Tell me who you want to be under the law. Are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. One of the most exciting things for us is we sit in the line of Abraham and of Isaac. We are born of the free woman. We are born because of promise. And the promise that was there available to Abraham and to Isaac is also available to us. You have been saved. You have been redeemed. You've been brought into this relationship not because of anything that you have done. Not because of anything that you have said. Not because you turn up to church early or you turn up to church late. It's not because of those things. It's because of what Christ has done. And we need to remind ourselves that actually we are saved by grace. And we're not just saved by grace, we live in grace. Grace is to be the daily experience of the Christian. The daily experience of the believer. That there is a gospel of grace. That our righteousness is found in Christ. When we prayed that prayer earlier about the Ukraine, it talked about the Lamb of God. This is what it says in John 1. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You remember I talked about Isaac was redeemed through a ram in a thicket that was sacrificed on his behalf. Well, we were redeemed because Jesus was sacrificed on our behalf. But actually, it's not anything about our performance. It's not anything about what we can do or should do. We can do nothing good or great to help us find grace. Grace is more than that God just accepts us. It's through Jesus that our sins are forgiven. But grace is more than that. It's wonderful that we can receive grace and that we can say, oh yeah, I I get this. I've, I've heard grace. I understand grace. But actually grace is something that needs to be extended. Grace is something that you receive and that you then extend. The Bible tells us that we should comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. There is something about we receive something from God and we give something from God. Grace is one of those things. We have received grace, so we must learn to extend grace. And if you think about what grace is at its fundamental level, it's fundamentally about acceptance. We must learn to show acceptance to people who are not like us or acceptance to people who are around us. One of the places that I have 
known and understood grace more than anywhere else, which, which for me was not necessarily something I would have expected, is in my marriage. Yeah. There is a fundamental thing in my marriage relationship with Pauline which is about fundamental acceptance. We kind of talked about it very, very early on. I remember thinking to myself, okay, as much as I might want, after a little while, you know, when you've been married, if you're not married, just, just hear me out, and if you're married, you understand what I'm saying. After a little while, you think to yourself, I wonder whether that's going to change. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether that's going to change. Yeah, because we've been going at this for, I don't know, two weeks, and this seems to be a bit of a thing, and, you know, and it wasn't what I expected. I never thought about it before. It's become a thing. Uh, uh, for me, sometimes the very things that attracted you to the person in the first place become the very things that become difficult after you get married. You go, what has gone on there? I wonder when things are going to change. I remember talking to myself, and later Pauline and I would talk, talking to myself about accepting Pauline as she was. Now, that, that's, that's massive, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not special. Yeah? That's massive when you say, okay, I'm just going to accept. Fundamentally, it doesn't mean that we won't have conversation, but at the very, very fundamental level, we're going to accept one another. We're not going to try and change one another. We're not going to hope for the best. We're not going to wish that something... No, we're going to just accept one another fundamentally. What that does is that just brings security. It really brings security to the relationship. It, brings secu- it, it makes you realise that then if you know that that fundamental acceptance is there, it also means that when conversations happen that would otherwise be difficult, actually it's less difficult. Because underneath you're thinking, oh, I'm accepted in this space. I know that. I know that. And so learning to do that in marriage helps us to learn to do that with others. How do I learn to accept people? Fundamentally, How do I learn just to go, that's okay, I accept them. And I'm not going to question them, I'm not going to back off from them, I'm not going to withdraw from them, I'm not going to criticise them, I don't understand everything, but fundamentally I'm going to accept them. Romans 15 verse 7 says, Accept one another as Christ has accepted you, for this brings praise to God. There is something fundamental. Imagine if you were in a church where people fundamentally accepted one another. Just imagine that in this place. If underneath it all, there was that deep acceptance of one another. Imagine what that would look like. Not feeling insecure because so-and-so didn't say hello to you today. Not feeling insecure because you got overlooked for something. You didn't, you didn't even think about it. Because you know, no, in this place, I'm accepted. And it's almost like that is what it should be like for the Christian. Not because we're special, but because we have received acceptance. We have received grace and we need to extend grace. Yeah? Grace wasn't given to you just so that you could, you could have just a wonderful, isn't it wonderful, the grace of God to me, isn't it lovely? It is wonderful. But actually it's more wonderful when you can, you can extend it. When you can show it to others. When you, well, why do we give? We give partly because of he's given to us. We comfort because he's comforted us. We love because he first loved us. We, we show grace because he has shown grace to us. You see, when things function like that, the fruit of grace is this. Humility. Yeah? The opposite of boasting. The opposite of boasting is humility. And humility comes 
when you realise, do you know what, the fact that I'm accepted is, is nothing to do with me. It's not because I've tried harder than anyone else. Freedom. When we are justified freely by his grace, it's possible to take off that grace mask and not to lean into the things that we think people affirm us for, but to be secure in who God has made us. There's a, there's a freedom that comes. There's an assurance, a deep inner sense of security that God has accepted me and that through him others have accepted me. That's a deep thing. And, and we need to get there in church because sometimes in church it can be one of the places where we feel less grace. Oh, they said this, or what did they mean? Why did he not do that? Why did that happen? I've been in church long enough, I know all the questions. I've asked them all. But there's also come a point where I thought, how do I step back and go, God, I need to find it here. I need to find it here. Because if I can find it here, when I step into this space, I can, I can be the most fruitful that I can be. So there's an assurance that comes. There's also gratitude that comes. I imagine Isaac must have been an incredibly grateful man. Because he realised everything that he received was given graciously. It's not to say that he didn't work and all of those things and that he wasn't obedient, but everything he was given, the promises over his life, even the children that his wife bore were given to him by God. That brings gratitude. So the fact that my daughter's getting married on the 8th of April, do you know what? Don't mishear this comment. I didn't take for granted that my girls were going to get married in the modern world. I didn't take that for granted. Oh, I prayed for it. In my heart, I desired it. Yeah, for them. Yeah, not necessarily because I wanted to move them on, but for them, I desired it. And so the fact that you know, our eldest is getting married and, and she's marrying a guy who loves the Lord more than he loves her, that's, that's deep, deep gratitude. Yeah? Because I couldn't have done that. There's no way amount of, there's no persuading that could have brought that about. Only God brings about those kinds of things. That's a God thing. That's not a me thing. But it brings from me gratitude towards him. The other, the other fruit of grace is devotion it's devotion. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Let's just stop there. Grace is wonderful. There's a freedom that comes with it. But there's also this thing that comes with it. It teaches you to say no. It's the grace of God that teaches you to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Understanding his grace helps you to become more devoted. More devoted to him. Oh, so, so when people say, well, how far is too far? Should I do that? Should I go there? In the end, it doesn't become about those things. It's about what's going to please him. What's going to please him? You know, when, you're, when your children begin to do the right things, and, and, and do you know what they do in the end? Sometimes your children will do the right things. They won't just do the right things because you laid out a law. They'll do the right things because they're devoted to you. They want to please you. And if you want to please God, you realise, oh my goodness, I, I can avoid sin, I can resist sin, not just because, oh, it's so hard to resist sin, I want to go there. No, because I'm devoted somewhere else. My eyes are on something else. So my devotion goes here, it doesn't go here. 
it helps us to avoid sin. And I've talked about extending grace. It's one of the fruits of it. One of the fruits of the receiving of grace is that you can extend it and show it to others. That you don't judge others. You're not quick to judge them. You're not quick to criticise them. You're not quick to withdraw from them. You're quick to step into them. You're quick to receive them because of what he has done. Grace involves deep acceptance. It also involves deep repentance. Do you remember the story of the woman caught in adultery which we read about in the scripture? She was not condemned by Jesus which is, a, which is an act of grace on his, on his part but she was told go leave your life of sin which is an act of repentance on her part. He accepts her for who she is but actually in his acceptance she repents by changing her life. And that isn't just like the one-off thing. That is what we should all be doing. We should all be reminded we're accepted by him and because we're accepted we function differently. It's not just a message. It's not just a theology, oh yeah, I'm in a grace movement. I know what that is. No, I need to live what that is. That needs to be impacting how I live day by day. A true and deep understanding and experience of grace is that means I can do, it doesn't mean I do what I like and God doesn't judge me. It's because of what he has done in paying the price for my sin and taking it away that I become devoted to him. When our kids come home and talk about people when you're in relationships with people that you love and that you bless and, and how much you're willing to give up for them. Time and money. I mean, growing up, I, I loved football. I loved sport. I loved playing it. I loved watching it. Um, when I had three girls, I was like, okay, this is going to be slightly different to maybe because <laughs> I've got three girls and I, I love sport. But I, over time, I realised... I would happily give up sport for them. That wasn't difficult for me. Yeah, It wasn't that I didn't really love sport. No, I loved sport. But I would happily give things up for them. To, to be devoted to them. To give them time. Now, I wouldn't say that I always liked necessarily playing with Barbies and stuff. But you know, sometimes you do that. Sometimes you have to do that. Yeah, it's one of the things. Father of the bride kind of thing. Fathers of the bride come through Barbies and other stuff. But it became my priorities were easily reordered. Yeah? I was willing to make the sacrifices. I was willing to show them grace. And when you do, it's deeply freeing. And so I, I kind of just want to conclude by saying this where, where do you stand on grace right now are you standing on grace right now are you standing on grace right now are you in a place where you go do you know what this is just wonderful you're just reminding me thank you Jesus or are you like oh right yeah okay there's so many things I'm trying to do so many places I want to be so many things I want to achieve there's so many people I'm not sure about Right now, you can come back to that place where you stand on grace. Yeah? And grace, that fundamental idea that God accepts you for who you are. Totally. Yeah? We need it as the church. How much more does the world need to know that? Yeah? 
how much more do people outside of this room need to know the fact that there is a God who accepts you? Yeah, that whilst you were still a dinner, sinner, Christ died for you. He didn't die because you turned. He died even when your back was on him. So where are you standing now? Are you standing on grace? Are you extending grace? Are you showing gratitude because of grace? Are you living in grace? Where do you stand right now? That's my question to you. Let's pray together and I'm going to hand back to Neil. Father, we just want to acknowledge this morning that um, you change everything for the Christian. That when we know you, although we live in the same world as everyone else, there's a difference in this world for us that we can't always explain. And Father, part of it is the fact that we have experienced the grace of God. We've experienced what it is to stand completely free. We've experienced what it is to know that we are accepted at a very, very fundamental level to the point where we don't need to pursue our own acceptance. We don't need to pursue earthly forms of affirmation because we have found it in you. And Father, I want to pray that this community becomes a community that really has at its heart a culture of grace, a culture of acceptance, acceptance of people who are different, acceptance of people who are on the outside and Father also a a culture of acceptance of who they are because of what Jesus has done. It changes everything and so Father I pray that even in these moments, in these moments you would begin to reorientate hearts, you will begin to turn and change people from the inner being to become to that place where grace is at the heart of it. Father, I pray for relationships, I pray for families, I pray for marriages here. Father, where there might be situations which do not have that foundation of grace, I ask that you would put it in. I ask, Father, that people would come to that place. Maybe it needs to be talked out, maybe there needs to be repentance and things need to be changed, but I pray for it, Father. Father, it makes such a difference when people know that they are accepted in such a fundamental way. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you very much, Ali. It'd be great to, to sing in response. I'm really struck as well.